Hey, listeners of Flyover Country, this is Jared Crawford bringing you another special release podcast on the feed today. Earlier today, we had Scott on the Hacks on Tap podcast with David Axelrod, and now we've got him from a early morning feature with Casey Hunt on Wednesday morning. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be bringing you guys a bunch of new content with the election in Kentucky only a couple weeks away and everything going on in D.C. Make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're refreshing and watching your feed for new podcasts and new episodes. So, let's get into it. Scott Jennings on Casey Hunt's show, early morning Wednesday. Here we go. Good morning to our viewers in the United States and around the world. I'm Casey Hunt. It's Wednesday, October 25th, 5 a.m. here in Washington where we begin another day without a Speaker of the House. About seven hours from now, the House is scheduled to vote again to try and fix that. So who might the next Speaker of the House be, you ask? Well, you would be forgiven for not recognizing this man. That is 51-year-old Mike Johnson of Louisiana, whose relative complete lack of public profile might be exactly why he could become the last man standing. He was picked late last night after a tumultuous day on Capitol Hill. Republicans spent most of the day voting to pick Minnesota Congressman Tom Emmer. You see him there as their nominee. He's not exactly a household name either, but he had served in House leadership before. And that seems to be exactly the problem. Emmer was selected as their next pick for speaker yesterday around lunchtime. Uh, But he was out before dinner. And that was mostly because Donald Trump knew too much about him. After Emmer was selected, Trump knocked Emmer on his Truth Social platform as a, quote, globalist rhino. And Trump's team followed up with calls to GOP members, whipping them against voting for Emmer. Emmer's sin, of course, voting to certify the 2020 election that Joe Biden won. So what is Johnson's track record on that issue? Well, Johnson was a member of Trump's impeachment defense team the first time around. And then he helped lead critical legal challenges to the 2020 election results. Aha. Still, at the risk of stating the obvious, Republicans are under intense pressure to pick somebody, anybody, to get the House open. It has been three weeks since they deposed Kevin McCarthy. There have been three failed candidates for speaker, four now, uh, three on the floor, and zero could marshal the 217 votes necessary to actually win the gavel. This time, it does seem like everyone is just so over it that it might work. This is the closest that we have come to being able to cross that finish line. So I think Mike's got the ability to do that. Mike is the right guy. He's an inspirational leader. I'm so excited to go elect him Speaker of the House. Obviously, I did not support the removal of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I I think it was uh, arguably the stupidest move ever made in politics. Uh, But we have to move forward. And so we're going to rally around uh, Mike Johnson. The Republicans, we're back. Uh, Our agenda is going to be back on track. Uh, We are unified, and uh, we are, I think we're happy to do what we are. Still, Johnson was elected Speaker nominee with just 128 votes, and that is far short of the 217 he will need on the floor under that dome later today. Let's bring in CNN political commentator Scott Jennings to talk more about this. Uh, Scott, very grateful to have you here this morning. Um, let's talk a little bit about who is Mike Johnson. And, you know, I really do get the sense that, you know, listening to those members talk, uh, that 
they really are just so over it that they might actually be ready to do this at noon today. What's your sense? Yeah, a lot of optimism from all corners of the party. I mean, in our uh, uh, clips there, you heard everybody from Matt Gates to Mike Lawler. When you've got Gates and Lawler, I mean, those are the two sort of extreme ends of this uh, fight, uh, saying this is the right guy. That is reason for optimism. Johnson is not a bomb thrower. Uh, he is not uh, a household name, certainly. He doesn't uh, chase uh, Fox News uh, the way his mentor, Jim Jordan, did. You get a lot of uh, comments about him that he's affable, that he's a good listener, uh, that he's someone that people you know generally get along with. I've watched a lot of clips of Johnson uh, over the last several hours, and he does sort of have a moderate tone. You know, he's not... Uh, you know, stridently uh, bombastic or confrontational. He is even, there's even a, a video of him talking about uh, how he thinks it's his responsibility to have a relationship with Democrats and to try to convince them, uh, you know, that conservative ideas are better. So I think when you look at disposition, he might be what the doctor ordered. I know Democrats are going to be against him uh, on the January 6th stuff and on the, the Biden election stuff. But when you think about what the speaker has to do, run the entire house and try to work together to do big things, the disposition of someone like Johnson uh, could be could be what we need here. Right, because the reality here, I mean, he led this this amicus brief in Texas that if it had been successful, would have overturned uh, the presidential election in several critical battleground states. Um, his positions are not all that different from, say, where Jim Jordan was, although obviously Jordan had a unique role on January 6th. But the word that I think encapsulated often encapsulates Jordan as a, a legislator and as a public personality is aggressive. And that is kind of the opposite of where Johnson is, even though they may share some of the same ideas. Yeah, Johnson comes across as more studious, you know, more thoughtful, less bombastic, less confrontational, and more interested in maybe convincing you on the strength of his ideas than shouting you down. And honestly, I think a lot of Americans are going to appreciate that, that kind of disposition. Uh, and as he goes in, uh, Casey, to what he has to do over the next few weeks, which is uh, essentially uh, make a deal with Democrats in the Senate and the White House on keeping the government funded, that sort of disposition is going to be required. You know, Republicans only have one of the three legs of the stool here uh, when it comes to keeping the government open. So he's obviously going to have to work with the other party. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, I think he has shown some willingness in his career to do that. Right. He probably is going to be uh, uh, on a, a different planet when it comes to Democrats on most issues. But that interest in talking to the other side and saying they're not the enemy, we have to work with them, you know, that, that will help him in the room uh, as we approach the critical uh, government funding deadline. Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable that that is a characteristic that is so rare these days, but I think you're very right to underscore it and point it out. Um, very briefly, Scott, uh, Kevin McCarthy got, I think it was 43 or so votes in these late night ballots last night. It seemed like maybe there was a little balloon that, hey, like maybe McCarthy will be back. Uh, do you think he's given up on that dream or is there still something there? Well, you're right about the murmurs, and there were people at the beginning of this whole thing thinking it might come back to McCarthy. And I do think there was a sense that late last night, we had to do something. And so had Johnson somehow not taken control of it, I could have seen how it would have gone back to McCarthy. But yes, it, it seems to me now that the Republican Party uh, wants to go ahead and just do Mike Johnson. Uh, like I said, when you have Gates and Lawler both on the same page, that, that to me speaks volume. So I do think uh, what happened to McCarthy was a travesty. Uh, I think it was silly. <laughs> and I think it made the Republican Party look ridiculous for a few weeks. Uh, but at this point, I am certain that all these members are hearing from their constituents screaming at them, saying, you guys have got to get back to work. All you do is sit around and say each other's names out loud all day. We don't want you to prolong this. Just get somebody and move forward. 
uh, and that's somebody I think is most likely to be Johnson. We haven't heard anybody creep up today uh, overnight and say, you know, hell no. We had, you know, all the other people that came forward, there was a hell no group, you know, like a hell right. no. And in this case, you've not heard that yet on Johnson. And so hopefully McCarthy uh, uh, will go along with that today and the Republican Party can function as a majority, which it has ceased to do for the last three weeks. Right. A combination of disposition, as you noted, and also, frankly, lack of a public profile that I think helps avoid <laughs> that hell no uh, conference that you uh, were mentioning. Scott Jennings, thank you very much. You'll be back uh, in a few minutes. I really appreciate you starting us off today. Good morning. Thank you for being up early with us. I'm Casey Hunt. It is 530 here in Washington. The big story at the bottom of the hour is that at noon today, the House will vote again to try to pick its next speaker. Late last night, Republicans chose this man, 51-year-old Mike Johnson, to be their nominee after a tumultuous day on Capitol Hill. It began with them selecting Minnesota Congressman Tom Emmer to be speaker, only to see him drop out hours later. One big factor in his withdrawal was Donald Trump, who knocked Emmer on Truth Social as a, quote, globalist rhino and then tried to whip votes against him. So the big question today, can Mike Johnson win the gavel and get the House back to work finally? Let's bring in CNN senior political commentator Scott Jennings. Scott, uh, good morning. It's great to see you. Um, I'm just looking at some of these morning newsletters that are coming out because in just these few hours, uh, of course, everyone is scrambling to try to figure out who is Mike Johnson exactly. And so they write, well, look, if you haven't Googled him yet, Here's who he is. He's a 51-year-old from Louisiana. He's a staunch conservative. He's somebody who uh, ran the Republican Study Committee, which uh, is kind of the older school conservative uh, mm. co conference caucus in the House of Representatives. Um, what do we know about this guy? And I will say there are some insiders who thought, hey, he might have an inside track on becoming speaker, but he's really pretty unknown to Americans across the country. Yeah, he's not somebody who has chased like a high-profile Outwardly, you know, you see Jim Jordan on Fox News almost every night. Byron Donalds, who was in the race for speaker, you know, he has chased a lot of public fame. But Mike Johnson has been a very behind the scenes player. He's described as someone who's affable, who is a good listener. He's built relationships across the conference, even though he does, I think, come from the more conservative wing of the conference. You're really hard pressed to find somebody uh, who doesn't like uh, Mike Johnson, there may be a handful of folks out there who haven't reared up yet, but, but he does seem to have a lot of relationships across the conference. And, and one of the things about his getting this, if he ascends to the speakership, is that he is not a television personality. You know, there was some belief that that's what Republicans were going to do. They were going to take this job that's normally kind of a, a mechanic of legislative activity and just turn it into a pundit, you know, turn it into a legislative personality. That's what we did with the presidency, after all. But Mike Johnson is not that kind of person. He's very much someone who likes to work with other legislators behind the scenes, even Democrats on occasion. And I'm told by some members who are worried about what's going to happen at the government funding deadline, what's going to happen on the farm bill, for instance, that he understands he's going to have to work with the other party and work with the other parts of government to actually get things done to keep the institution functioning and moving forward. I mean, it really is interesting, Scott, especially because it was, you know, Matt Gates who took out Kevin McCarthy. And Gates is really, in so many ways, the polar opposite of what you are just describing. He is someone who um, has come to Washington in search of cameras, it seems, in search of fame, uh, who has not focused on this. And, uh, and Johnson seems, as you point out rightly, so, so different from that. You know, and he's also a pretty normal guy, it seems, in, in an era where a lot of these lawmakers are using their positions to just rake in money or they've earned their positions because they made their money and they used it 
to help get themselves to Congress. He doesn't have he's uh, you know, he's got a little bit of debt, like a normal amount of debt. He doesn't have uh, huge assets. He, you know, worked as a columnist and, and particularly for religious groups before uh, he came to Congress. I mean, in many ways, it's it's kind of a refreshing profile. Yeah, he's a constitutional lawyer. Uh, his district is northwest Louisiana. He's married. He's got four kids. Uh, and, you know, if you if you look online about this guy, there's a little bit of video of him out there uh, talking about how he actually uh, had some uh, refreshing relationship with Nancy Pelosi, who he said he disagrees with, but that, you know, he described her as a generous person and they were, you know, he was happy to get along. So better not play that I, too many times before noon today. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I, get but, but you know what? Look, we're three weeks away from the government shutting down. Democrats control the Senate. There's a Democrat in the White House. And a real question of strategy for the Republican Party has been, are we going to be a confrontational party and and, and, and shut down the government uh, if you don't get everything you want? Or are we going to be a governing party here and recognize that the American people voted for divided government? We're going to have to talk to the other side. It looks to me like Johnson is not somebody who's going to take confrontation to its logical conclusion where nothing happens, that he's going to be a conservative and fight for conservative values, but that he also uh, realizes that there are conversations to be had across the aisle here. So uh, we'll see which way he's pushed and pulled. Obviously, the dynamics of the House haven't changed. There are people right. who don't want to do Ukraine. There are people who, uh, you know, want to split that out from Israel, who want to split that out from the border and, and et cetera, et cetera. He's going to have to navigate all the same problems that McCarthy was navigating. But I am really interested to see if this more understated, behind-the-scenes type of disposition uh, is exactly what the House needs right now, rather than somebody who spends all their time in front of a camera. Maybe he's the guy we need behind the camera talking to folks. And, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And uh, Mike Johnson <laughs> seems to be the guy who believes in that old maxim. <laughs> I guess we're about to find out, maybe. I mean, look, I think the reality, let's talk about the kind of the nuts and bolts reality here. Um, we showed uh, uh, some uh, of members who were speaking to my colleague, Manu Raju, last night. You have Mike Lawler, who's become a very outspoken voice for the moderates, represents a Biden district on the one hand. You've got Gates, who obviously took on that mission to take down Kevin McCarthy. On the other hand, they both seem to be saying, we're ready to get on board uh, with Mike Johnson. It does seem like they have reached a point where enough people feel like, look, we just got to get this done. We got to get to 217, that it does actually seem possible to me. I'm not sure I felt like it was possible the other times. You know, I was having conversations like this one early in the morning before a scheduled vote. What's your take? Well, you're not seeing groups of people emerge that are adamantly opposed to Johnson. In all the other cases, with Jordan, with Emmer, uh, obviously with McCarthy on the original iteration of, of vacating this thing, there was a dedicated group that said, we will absolutely not do this. You did not hear anybody like that or any group like that emerge last night when Johnson got a hold of this thing out of the conference. You're not really seeing that emerging uh, overnight. Obviously, there's a few hours before they're scheduled to go to the floor, so we'll see if anybody rears up here. But it strikes me that the absence of a dedicated opposition is a critical issue. Now, as you know, he can only lose but a handful of votes on the floor and just a few people can derail this entire thing. But I believe all these members of Congress have one thing in common. They're hearing a bunch from back home saying, you got to get back to work. You're the Republican majority. You're our voice at the negotiating table with the Democrats who run the Senate and the Democrat who runs the White House. So as long as we're on the sidelines, our priorities aren't being heard. So getting back to work, I think, is a high priority for people who said, hey, I donated to and I voted for a Republican majority. You guys need to act like it. 
Yeah, it's a really good point. I never thought I would see a situation where voters gave some uh, a group of Republicans or Democrats, for that matter, power, and then they abdicated that power uh, because they couldn't get it together. Scott Jennings, thank you very much for being up with us my, this morning, my friend. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Casey. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.